further up and further in. I'm Amy and I'm here with Michelle. Hey Amy. Today we're going to talk about disappointment. I don't know anybody who's never been disappointed. And if people say they haven't been disappointed, They're I would lying. like exactly. <laughs> yeah, and man, have I ever noticed that by the time people are my age, you can really hear where disappointment shows up in their story and how it's defining their present. Mm-hmm. And some of that actually makes me really, really sad because I think there's another way. Yeah. Disappointment is like, it is such a weird feeling and phenomenon kind of thing. How would you describe disappointment? How would I describe disappointment? I mean, disappointment is like the spectrum, like everything else, where it's just like, I hoped and it didn't. But saying like, I hoped I wouldn't have to make dinner tonight and now it turns out I do is a momentary pain in the rear. But like, I hoped my friend wouldn't die of cancer, and they did. Mm -hmm. Those are crushing ones that actually begin to shape whether or not we have hope for the future. And actually having hope is part of good mental health, and I would say part, definitely part of good spiritual health. Mm -hmm. And disappointment for me is like that sinking feeling of, oh, and just the whole, everything sinks. Actually, you have a really great story about a major disappointment for you when you were a teenager. Yes, I do. Um, Yeah, and part of my story, which I think we kind of talked about back in Amy's story, is just how disappointment can really rob us of stuff. And uh, one of the stories that just so defines disappointment for me is I had played volleyball and um, my dad worked a lot. And so he was really good. Like if there was something that was so important, he would make sure to be there. I played volleyball and he couldn't come to a lot of things, but we were in the provincials and he made sure the way I remember it, it could be wrong, but that he made sure to take the weekend off, make sure to be there for the whole weekend. And I sat on the bench the entire weekend. Your coach never played you once. Never played me once. And my dad stayed and sat for the entire time. And it wasn't like he was like sitting there grumpy and being like, oh, why am I here? But it was just like, I just remember sitting on that bench and looking up and seeing my dad there and and making eye contact and my dad being compassionate towards me because he recognized how bummed I am. And just thinking, I am so disappointed. He took time off and he didn't get to see me play at all. And there were many times that you had played when you longed for him to be there. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And that was for me kind of the capping of, you know, my story started at seven with the disappointment and... That one felt like almost the finishing of, I will not be disappointed. This doesn't feel good. I'm done. The last brick was in the wall and you were on closed down and not having expectation and hope. Mm -hmm. But Amy, as I understand your story, you would not have said this was a defining moment. You would have had a very pragmatic, like, well, this happens in life and we just have to deal with it. Oh yeah, totally. Right. And uh, I was reading a Psychology Today article and they were talking about disappointment, the psychologist. And what the psychologist says is people seem, in her practice, people seem to do whatever they can to avoid recognizing that they're disappointed and will twist their thinking every which way to not recognize a true disappointment. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. You go to the, for me, it was go to the logical, pragmatic, this happens, it's a bummer, but you know what? I didn't play because of X, Y, and Z. And yeah, okay, that's fine. Yeah. And our brains do try to make sense of things and we have to find a way to move past disappointment. And so your description is kind of how most humans go, okay, and I'm going to 
rationalize this and I am going to actually just stow away mm-hmm. the sadness because I don't know what else to do yeah. with it. As we are disappointed and we're looking for ways to not feel this, it's such a time that the enemy comes in and brings the lies that we can agree with because it actually helps justify and rationalize mm-hmm. And helps us cope Mm -hmm. with our disappointment in an unhealthy way. Yeah, and I think we can do this just like psychologically, emotionally, but it also really applies to spiritual things. And I think sometimes our desire to minimize disappointment using scriptures or scriptural principles actually contributed a lot to the to religion that has turned people off. Mm. And that's something you and I are both really passionate about this church has to be restored in this Mm -hmm. area. It's super important because that shutting things down and turning it off is so unhealthy and painful and has wreaked havoc with the truth of who God is. So would you say, Amy, in your story, you would have continued to live this way or maintain this posture, except you positioned yourself for an encounter with God and he brought it up. Can you just sort of unpack that a little bit? You were just talking about picturing Jesus in your storm. Hmm. And because we get to travel a lot together, I've heard that quite a few times, right? And so I'm like, okay, I'll do this because each time Jesus shows up and it's great. And so you're like, man, picture a time where it felt really stormy or an instant. And all of a sudden this memory came to me. I'm like, that is weird. I have not thought about that in forever. Because I mean, when I was in high school, it's, it's getting on a couple of years since I was in high school. And it came up. And I was like, huh. Right? And I know... Jesus enough now that when random memories just seem to come up at weird times, that that's a good indication that Jesus is bringing something up that I need to be curious about. Right. Right. Yeah. And so it was, okay, Jesus, why are you bringing this up? Yeah. So for our listeners, one way that they could just respond to this right now would just be to simply say, Jesus, do I have any buried disappointments that I don't even recognize that are still really, um, shaping my life right now. I give you permission to bring those things up however you want to, whenever you want to. I want to be free. Mm -hmm. I feel like he'll answer that prayer. You don't know what day or how or through what vehicle, but I think he's really faithful to answer those prayers. Oh yeah, because I mean, we have a podcast about Healthy Lament Mm -hmm. uh, episode. And I think even four years ago for me, if I listened to that, I wouldn't have even known where to start because I wouldn't have recognized that I actually had disappointments. I would have been like, well, I'm fine. Like everyone has stuff that's a bummer, but there's nothing that's shoved in me. Why would I need to do this? So we actually, right, need to let Jesus show us the disappointments before we can even figure out how to process them. Totally. If we've spent 30 years shoving things down saying, no, I'm not disappointed. Yeah. And I mean, the opposite end of that spectrum is a lot of introspective navel gazing and that can get really unhealthy too and really be used as a great big distraction. So to say, Jesus, I give you permission and kind of just leave space for that rather than really try to angst about it. Mm Because the truth is we've all got disappointments. There's something that will come up and it's almost like he knows which things to bring up that kind of unlock the whole strategy of the enemy. You don't have to think of every single one. He'll know. And so when you process that story, you forgave your coach for not playing you. So we have a we have yeah. a whole podcast on forgiveness. Yeah. And the things that the enemy brought to you that day were like lies about insignificance and... The same silly strategies. That is, you know, the story that happens over and over again. The yeah. same things. Yeah. Insignificant. Obligation. Mm-hmm. The fact that people have to be with me because... 
they have to and they're good people and yeah. they have to love me. Yeah. And so it's like you, the same stupid things. You broke it. Yeah. Because we all have, right? The enemy yeah. has a strategy oh, yeah. for each of us and it's such a believable lie. And if he can just keep on layering, laminating that lie, we'll be... We'll be defined by it. Yeah. And so then you broke agreement with those things. And again, we have a podcast about breaking agreements. So there's mm-hmm. lots of little places people can go with this. But for today, um, that's such a good example and a good story. So people can check out those other podcasts. Where else do we want to go with this today? Like, mm-hmm. what are some... Moving forward, let's face it, I'm going to be disappointed sometimes. But now that I understand what a big deal this is, I have found disappointment is... It creates a space for me to be offended with God or offended with other people. So now that I know this, I'm kind of moving forward with some understanding, some wisdom Mm. cultivated through experience. So I kind of want to share some of that stuff. Yeah, for sure. When I think about it, one of my, it it makes me laugh the depths of understanding we can gain over a period of our lifetime. When my parents gave me my first Bible when I was six years old, they wrote in it Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, which is trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not onto your own understanding, right? And you're nodding your head because everybody who grew up in church has this verse really yeah. memorized. And I honestly, probably an application never went past trust in the Lord. That's right. I had a trust in the Lord. I had a trust in the Lord. But man, as I've gotten older, the next phrase is so important. Don't lean on your own understanding. Hmm. My understanding of every situation and every disappointment is not God's understanding. And so I've had to learn new understandings. My understanding used to be, frankly, to expect God to show up like a fairy godmother. Mm. Something happens, it's all going to work out wonderful because I'm God's child and he loves me. And then when he didn't, disappointment. Mm -hmm. So that was my own human understanding. So I've shifted into more of an awareness that I don't want to come across as cheesy. (laughs) Mm. Because again, with these Bible verses that we know really well, they've been applied poorly sometimes. Mm -hmm. So like Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good for those who are lo- who love God and are called according to his purpose. That has been used like, don't feel sad. Bam, here's your Bible verse. Everything will turn out good by yeah. your own definition of good. Right. But it's, as I, it's almost like mellowing and maturing in my life. Like this fine wine. Yes, let's say that. That God really is good. And I am really disappointed. So I do my healthy lament, but it's anchored in this truth that I know he is good. Mm-hmm. And so now I don't deny my sadness, but I do seek to anchor that sadness in this awareness that God is good. The story is not over yet. Help me to hang on. Mm-hmm. It ha- And it has to be both those things. Because I be think both. just picking one, you know, mm-hmm. going to the God is good, no good plans, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Then that gets into the denial. Yeah. Going into the devastating sadness mm-hmm. can just lead to a lot of cesspooling yeah for lack of a better word <laughs> it's so true and uh, I mean that's the thing about our healthy lament tool is that we do the lament and then we remember what God has said mm-hmm. so in some ways we're just restating that but I think we're unpacking this a little differently today I think of that verse um, it's in 2nd Corinthians 4 where Paul he cracks me up right because he's been through a couple of shipwrecks he's been abandoned And of all people, at this point, he should be going, clearly God has not called me. God is not kind. You know, God's promises are not true. Mm -hmm. But he says, we're pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. And those are some words I can hang on to. I am perplexed. I don't understand God. I thought this is what you meant. Mm. But I'm not going into despair. 
I'm never abandoned by God. It says we get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. So those words Mm. actually mean a lot to me that, yeah, I am confused right now, but I'm also aware that my perspective is like the ant in the anthill. Yeah. (laughs) And God, I know he's good. And I've seen it. And so I build onto those testimonies too. And I remember the times where I was disappointed and I did eventually see what good thing God did. And I believe that as we surrender our disappointments to him, refusing to be offended with him, believing in his goodness, we will eventually see his goodness. Mm -hmm. And I think you mentioned it briefly is the fairy godmother theology. That's such a big thing for believers Mm -hmm. is right. Because, yeah, we know God is good and yet we don't have it attached to the And he sees so much more and he sees the bigger picture and he's working for all of us and the good of all of us. And I just remember I was talking to my dad about this topic and he just brought up, he's like, yeah, you know what? Out of all the people that I've worked with, and he's worked probably with thousands of people, that Christians are the most disappointed. Yeah. Which is so interesting because... We should have the most hope. We should have the most hope and the most joy and the most faith. Mm -hmm. And yet... That's not the reality. And I think it comes down a little bit to that fairy godmother theology. Yeah. and I prayed. And I have a verse and I have a promise and it doesn't look like it. That's what happened. Yeah. It doesn't look like how I thought yeah. God answering my prayer would look like. Yeah. It takes me back to the Garden of Eden, actually, the two trees, mm, okay. the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. To me, when I process that thought, when I think I know what is good or not good, right? I Mm. judge my day by this went sideways. That was crappy. That sucked. I am using my human understanding to go, I know what is good and what is not. Oh, that's so good. That's a good thought. Yeah. But when I'm eating from the tree of life, I am feasting on Jesus. He's good and he loves me. He is invested in my life. He fights for me all the time. He's my protector. He's my provider. So then I get to sit in this place where I'm holding things a little more loosely. Mm -hmm. Wow, Jesus today did not turn out how I hoped it would. And I'm tired, right? Or I'm disappointed acknowledging what's going on. But I just know you're really, really good and that you're at work even in this. And as I give it to you and refuse to let bitterness, disappointment, offense settle in, I'm going to see something really good out of it. Then I feel like I'm eating the tree of life. Mm. And it fuels something inside of me that's more like faith and hope. That you're focusing on Jesus in the disappointment, not focusing on the sadness and disappointment. Yeah. Even though both of those things are still present. Yeah. And I'm learning to live, learning, heavy on the learning, right? Because I don't have this for sure. But living with expectation, but without an agenda. Oh, man. Every time, like... Right. We've had conversations about this and every time it's just like, that is so hard because for me, I have anticipation and it's so easy to go to the agenda of like, oh God, you're going to show up and it's going to look like this. That to hold that there is so tricky. Mm -hmm. How do we even do that? Mm -hmm. I'm asking, how do we even do that? How do we? (laughs) (laughs) You know, remembering his promises. And sometimes you, I guess you could say, wow, that got me here in the first place because I remembered his promise and now I'm disappointed. But the books, the story's not over yet. Mm. It can sound so cliched to say it's not, I've read the end of the book, but I have read the end of the book, Amy. Mm-hmm. And I know how it ends. And there's everything pointing to the fact that we're in this in-between right now where we are experiencing God's goodness and there's still a lot of brokenness around us. Mm-hmm. And I still know at the end of the day, God is good. So yes, anchoring myself to promises, but a lot of worship too. 
Worship really helps me. When I take that expectation, okay, Jesus, I don't know, but I know you're good and I love you, Lord, and I praise you. Thank you that you're my defender. Thank you that you always provide for me. Thank you that you're holding me now in my disappointment. A lot of worship actually really helps shift me again into a place of contented hope. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As our listeners are wrapping up today, we have given them a lot. We've referred to other podcasts. But hopefully this nutshell thought helps you to go, Jesus, would you show me where disappointment shaping my life in ways that aren't according to your plan? I want to go there with you. And you can listen to all the other podcasts that we've referenced because we've referenced quite a few today. But I also have this little thought that just kind of landed with me from Habakkuk 3. Like, who reads Habakkuk? And yet, this is one of my go-to verses. Starting at verse 17, it says, Even though the figs, trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though flocks die in the field and the cattle barns are empty, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. Mm. And that to me speaks of as I continue to worship him, even when the season of bleakness is not over, it, it, it ends with he makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. Kind of sounds like going further up and further in. Mm.